Father, we just honour your presence today. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, that surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And God, I thank you for your heart for this nation. I thank you, oh God, your purposes and your intentions have not changed just because the enemy has an agenda for this nation. We declare your kingdom shall come. Your will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, I pray today as we come around your Word, God, would you speak to us? Give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Lord, as we lift you up, your name, your glory and your honour, Father, make us more aware of your Spirit at work in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, I pray your blessing and your favour upon this house. Lord, as they carry your heart to this city, to this nation and to the nations of the earth. Father, the dream that's in your heart, that all nations shall be discipled, that the gospel shall be preached to the ends of the earth. I pray, Father, that it would become a manifest reality, a manifest reality. Father, I thank you even now that you're speaking. You're speaking right now in this moment. Even as I was in worship this morning, God began to show me a time lapse of a picture of a a tree, a large tree. It had been planted with a small seed, but that tree had grown. And this time lapse showed this tree that was going through the seasons of life, going through the seasons of fruitfulness and growth. Went through the winter seasons where there wasn't much leaves on it. Went through the autumn seasons where the leaves changed colour. And it went through the summer and the harvest seasons. And the Lord says that this tree, this house is represented by this tree. And the Lord says, you're coming into a great season of productivity and harvest. There is gonna be an acceleration of great growth and harvest that promises prophecies and declarations that have been spoken over this house, over your pastors, over the leadership of this house. The Lord says, even in these next two to five years, you're gonna see an acceleration of growth and of fruitfulness and of harvest. The Lord kept saying to me, seven to 10, seven to 10. He said that there's going to be an increase where there's been seven strategic trees, the Lord says there's going to be now 10 trees in the next five years. And that God is going to add to you. He's going to raise up, send out, pioneer and add another three trees in locations and fields over the next five years. Because the vision that God has given to you is not just about revival in one location, it's about the extension of His kingdom. And so, Father, right now, I just pray, oh God, Lord, for the inheritance of this house would come into a point of convergence, Father, that this is the time, this is the window, this is the opportunity. And Lord, I just declare a season of productivity upon this house more than ever before in its history. I pray in Jesus' Name. And everybody said... Come on, one more time. Let's just give God a big hand of praise. You may be seated. It's so good to see you. How is everyone doing this morning? Such an honour to be here. Thank you so much, Pastors Tark and Adrian, for the invitation to be here. 
It's my first time here at Church Unlimited. I've been here many times before in New Zealand preaching and ministering and connecting. My parents, 20 years ago, uh, did a tour of, of preaching in different churches, and I was fortunate enough to come and travel with them. I'm a pastor's kid. Don't hold that against me. And uh, it's just such an honor to be a part of uh, what God is doing. It's actually uncanny, the amount of prophetic connections. Even uh, yesterday, I had lunch with Pastor Tark, and just hearing his heart, hearing his spirit, I've nearly read all of his book, Wired for the Supernatural, and literally last night and early this morning, and just the themes, the messages, the topics, it just so resonates with my heart. Even the way that you do your service and, and everything, it's like there's so many similarities. I feel like, I mean, we were saying it's like being in our church, the same spirit. Isn't it funny? The same Holy Spirit in Melbourne is the same Holy Spirit here. It's amazing. <clears throat> and uh, all three services today, and obviously at City Campus, I'm going to be preaching a different message because I believe that God's wanting to say some unique and distinctive things. So in the 11 o'clock, you want to hang around, just let's have overflow here, because uh, I'm going to preach a different message, and then tonight I'm going to preach on the fire of God, and I'm just going to believe that God's fire is going to break out right across this place. And so let's go to the Word, John chapter 15, verse 1. I'm going to read through to verse uh, 16, and uh, I felt this was my assignment for this first service of the day and at city. John 15 verse 1, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but God says, I chose you. And I appointed you, Church Unlimited, that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide or remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in the name of Jesus, He may give to you. I want to speak to you this morning on being positioned for productivity. Being positioned for the harvest. Several years ago, back in 2005, I was in a transition season. 
I was confused. I needed clarity. Whenever you are going through a transition season, the prophetic will tend to spike and escalate to give you clarity on your next step. And I was in a season of transition. I was asking God to speak to me and to confirm it through the prophetic word. And God spoke to me through a man of God and he said, three seasons are going to repeat themselves in your life. A season of pruning, a season of preparation and a season of productivity. And just when you think that you can't be cut back and pruned anymore, God will transition you into a new season of preparation where he adds things to you. But that is not all about that season. It's in fact about the season of harvest and productivity to come. And you'll be transitioned into a season of productivity and you'll think this is where I want to live for the rest of my life. And then God will take you into another season at another level of pruning and cutting so that he can prepare you for greater seasons of harvest in the future. And I've observed that that isn't just true for me or for an individual, but it's true for every single one of us in the body of Christ. Our idea of fruitfulness is never ending productivity. The bank account is always full. The job opportunities are always coming. The favor, popularity, and likes on social media, and make sure you share New Zealand and beyond. All of those things, they're just, it's like if we could just live in the land of never ending productivity, that is our idea of fruitfulness. But God's idea of fruitfulness is to take you through the seasons of life. You talk to a farmer. And they will tell you that every season is needed for harvest. You can't just live in the land of perpetual harvest and not allow for winter and autumn and spring in order to have summer. If you want to have harvest in your life spiritually, you need to understand that God's got to take us through the seasons. James 5, 7, it says, see how the farmer waits for the fruit of the earth being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains, you also be patient. You've got to understand as in the natural, so in the supernatural. God has a purpose for every season of our lives. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And one of the most significant things, responsibilities that every believer has, that every church has, is to identify the season that God has us in. I was reading in my devotions this morning, Matthew 16, and Jesus is speaking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. You see, religion will never be able to identify the spiritual seasons on God's calendar and clock. Only relationship with God can help you discern the times and the seasons. And if you're not, di- if you're not connected, if you're disconnected uh, from that source of wisdom, that spirit of wisdom and revelation to know the hope to which you're called, you won't be able to interpret and identify the season that God has you in. Ignorance of your season produces disillusionment. Because if you're expecting a season of harvest in a season of pruning where God's cutting things off of you, he's pruning you back, you're going to get disillusioned. You'll be filled with resentment. You'll get offended at God, the pastor and the church, and it's none of their faults, all right? 
the reality is, is that you're in a season where God is doing something in you more than he's doing something through you. And if you don't understand that, then you're going to miss the purpose for the season of pruning and preparation that God is actually bringing into your life. Seasons contain boundaries. And there are some things that, you know, I remember when I was an intern and, and we had a conference at our church and I'd been preaching a few messages and, and I had a few cassette tapes. Do you remember the day of the cassette tape? I had a tape ministry, man. It's like I had three tapes, right? And I remember as an intern, I've got a cassette tape ministry. I said to the pastor, you reckon we could, you know, maybe sell or market some of those great sermons that I preached as an intern at the conference. And he just looked at me and smiled, that smile that that pastor gives you. And it's like, one day this kid's going to work it out. And, and, and the pastor was like, you know what, son, I love that your enthusiasm and your passion, but it's not your season. You've got to understand that every season in our life has a purpose in God. And there are seasons that, that have boundaries to it. And if you align the right action with the right season, you'll get the right outcome and the right purpose. And God will position you for the seasons to come. You have got to be convinced today as you read John 15 and as you understand the goodness and the nature of God is that God's intention for your life is fruitfulness. Some of you have lived so long, some of us have lived so long like Israel in the wilderness, we've come to doubt that God's ever going to bring us into the promised land. But God has a promised land in Christ Jesus for every single one of us. And the truth is our promised land is fulfilled in Christ. But as we journey in Christ, we do go through seasons of wilderness and seasons of pruning. But it's all for a purpose. God will not allow you to go through seasons of pruning just for no reason. There is an outcome. There is a purpose that he has for you. Our job is to respond with faith in the season that God has us in. So one of the key questions we've got to ask ourselves is, are we as animated in winter seasons as we are in the summer seasons? Are we as expectant and full of faith when we're being pruned as when we are in seasons of productivity? Because one of the things that a lot of believers don't understand is that God rewards all fruitfulness with pruning. I'm just here to help you today. Every branch, Jesus said in verse 2, that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Here's the lesson. Whether you produce fruit or not, you're going to get cut. So we may as well get cut back for producing fruit not for being idle in our spiritual lives, apathetic, asleep, and actually be taken out of the game. In the kingdom of God, pruning is a reward, it's not punishment. And one of the lies of the enemy is to convince us of the, the, that the nature of God is out to get us. I remember I went through a season back in 2009, 
an extended season, 12, 18 months. My wife and I, we'd planted a church, 13 people in a lounge room. The church had grown to over 400. 40% of the church were first-time believers. We had a building, 2,000 square meters, 11 paid staff. We went from zero budget to nearly a million-dollar budget in three years. And then for 18 months, everything just stopped. And I'm like, God, what have I done wrong? What, what, why He took me to Hebrews 12 and I had an encounter with God out of Hebrews 12 where it says that God disciplines His sons. And I, I said, God, why are you punishing me? And God said, son, I'm not punishing you. I am pruning you for coming seasons of greater productivity. God doesn't punish you. God prepares you for what is to come. And one of the pictures that he showed me in this moment was of an archer with a bow and an arrow. And I saw this archer pulling back this arrow on this bow. And as God was showing me this picture, he said to me, son, I am the archer of your life. You are the arrow. The bow is my word working in you, pruning and cutting you. He says, I am pulling this arrow back. You think and we interpret that we're going backwards. He says, oh no, I'm just stretching you back to get you ready to catapult you forward into what I have for you and what I've called for you. Some of you in this room today feel like you're going backwards, but I wanna tell you today the word of the Lord, God's cutbacks are never setbacks. He's just preparing you for a comeback in Jesus' name. Never allow life's contradictions shape an inferior view of who God is. I mean, Christians all the time, they're going through valleys or wildernesses and it's easy to frame their picture, their theology, their idea about God based upon their valley experience. Based upon their contradiction, never draw a conclusion about God's intention for you based upon a contradiction in your life. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's still awesome. He's still almighty. He's still all powerful. He never changes his mood. He is exceedingly loving towards you, long-suffering, kind, gentle. He's continually just. Everything that's come against you, that's been an injustice God takes note of. He will fight your battles for you. Just because you're going through a contradiction doesn't mean God's intention has changed. Now, I've got to admit, confession time, I am not, you know, like the most avid gardener. Does anyone else feel my pain in the room? Much to my wife's disdain. And so, you know, I'm not an expert horticulturalist, but apparently Dr. Google is, because if you search pruning in the web browser of Dr. Google, you'll come up with a definition of what pruning is. And I want you to listen to this definition with spiritual ears, because it applies in the supernatural. Pruning is the selective removal of parts of a plant not needed. It involves the cutting of branches shorter or off altogether. The reason is it removes dead wood and prepares the plant for a harvest of both quality and quantity. Pruning prevents breakage under the external elements and will ultimately determine the productivity and longevity of the fruit. If you don't get pruned, you can't grow stronger in what God has called you to do. How does God prune? He prunes through his word. 
the primary tool, the scissors, the gardening instruments that God uses for your soul is his word. That's why he says in verse three, already you are clean because of my word. The root Greek word for clean is the same root Greek word for pruning. Already I have pruned you, God is saying, through my word. God prunes through his voice. When he speaks into your heart, when he speaks through the uh, preached word, the prophetic word, the rhema word of his spirit in your heart, he is pruning you, he's getting you ready, he's cutting you back in order to set you up for a comeback. You think about this, even in Matthew 16, as I'm reading this morning, Peter partners with the spirit of the world when Jesus says, I'm going to suffer and I'm about to die. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, no, this is not good for business. I mean, you need to stay alive, Jesus, because business is booming right now. And if you die, the family business falls apart. The ties stop coming in. The, the, the crowds stop turning up. This is not good for business. And Jesus recognizes that the source of this uh, word out of Peter's mouth is not from heaven. It's in fact from the pit of hell to try and stop him and distract him from his primary call. And so Jesus pulls out a big pair of pruning scissors and says, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking with the thoughts of heaven. You are operating out of the spirit of this world. What is Jesus doing? He's adjusting Peter's value system. We live in a world where there, even as I spent just a few days here in Auckland, as I'm you know, walking around the city getting a coffee or whatever, I'm telling you there is darkness in this city that the light of the gospel needs to penetrate and you are going to penetrate it. But there is a value system of the world that we have got to allow the Spirit of God to prune and cut off of us so that we can get a value system of the kingdom of God because it's only that which emanates from the kingdom of God that is truly going to transform a culture, a society and a nation. How you respond to God's pruning in your life will determine how long you stay getting pruned. So if you don't want to stay in a perpetual season of pruning, we're going to respond from a heart of faith. You see, the right response to pruning is not resentment. It's to remain connected to Christ. Fruitfulness is more about your connection to Jesus than it is about your gift or what you do. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Whoever abides in me, Jesus says, and I in them will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. The fruit you and I produce is determined by the source we're connected to. If you don't like the fruit, the outcome, Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit. If you don't like the fruit of your life, check the source that you're connected to. It's like I work, when I'm working with people speak to people, pastor to people, and they're like, you know, my financial world is just imploding, and this is happening, and that's happening. Well, you, I say, what, what information are you operating under? 
What's the source in that arena of your life that is producing that kind of fruit? In people's relational worlds where there's brokenness and, you know, it's like uh, uh, Sally, and if your name's Sally, this is not a prophetic word for you, okay? It's just a metaphor, an illustration. Sally and Mary have a problem and Sally and, you know, uh, Jason have a problem and Sally and Methuselah have a problem. Rest assured, Sally could be the problem, right? Now, if your name's Sally, that's not a prophetic word. I'm sure you're a beautiful person, okay? just using it as an example. But when people's relational world, when there is brokenness, it's because they're often plugged into something that is not helpful and conducive to healthy relationships. It's like people in ministry, they want a fruitful ministry, but all they're plugged into is the popular trends and techniques of books and this and that and what's going on in the church Christendom culture rather than being plugged in to the source of the Holy Spirit, the word of faith and a prayer life and the message of the kingdom of God, if you're plugged into the wrong source, then don't be surprised at the fruit that is produced from your life. What is Jesus trying to do in this passage? He's trying to bring us and the disciples into the same dependency he had with his father. You see, in John 5, 19, Jesus said, I can only ever do that which I see my Father doing. The power of Jesus' ministry and life was in his capacity to follow his Father, not lead the disciples. The world is looking for leaders. The church is often looking for leaders. Jesus is looking for followers. The power of our lives and our ministries is not in how well we can lead others. It's in how well we can follow Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And the closer you follow Him, the more fruitful you'll be. He knows what you need to do. He knows where you need to be. He knows what doors need to be open. He knows what needs to happen in your business, in your family, in your marriage, in your finances, in your church, and in this great city and nation of New Zealand. But if you don't follow him closely and remain connected, your source of fruitfulness is cut off. You see, every breakthrough in my life required total dependency. Every shift in my life, the reason why I think God has allowed by His grace for us to get to this point in our journey, it's because I know that I'm not that good. My wife reminds me of it every single day. She loves me, but she's in my life to keep the brother humble and just keep me dependent upon Jesus. And I find myself on my face every morning going, God, apart from your grace, we're all in trouble today. So you better show up. But I tell you what, when you take that posture of humility, when you get an honest heart and you just come before God in every shift and season of your life and say, God, you're gonna lead me today. You're gonna guide me. I need you to show up in my life. God says, here you go, here you go, here you go. And if, and God wants to increase your here you go, but it's gonna come from a greater dependency upon your relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus puts you in a position where you can do nothing, but then he requires everything. Have you discovered that? You're like, you can't, I can't do anything, but you're requiring everything. How does this work? He goes, dependency. 
remaining connected. Our our dependency upon Christ is demonstrated through our prayer lives. People who don't pray are saying to God, I am capable in my own strength. We might talk about laziness, we might talk about apathy. No, but what you're really saying, it's rooted in a spirit of pride. What you're really saying is, I know better than him. I can do this all by myself. But you've got to understand that God's answers to your prayers are actually conditional upon your connection. Jesus said, if you abide in me, verse 7, and I in you, he goes straight into prayer. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now that is like a blank check. And he's like, just get ready to fill in the details, add a few zeros. If you abide in me and I in you, Whatever you ask for in prayer will be established. Why? Because your delight is in Him. And as you delight in Him, His desires come into your heart and bubble up in your spirit and come out of your mouth. And the witness of the spirit that comes out of your mouth is an alignment with the will of God for your life. And God says, yes and amen. I will answer that prayer because you're in me and I'm in you. And what you're praying is my will for your life. If I get more enamored with the answer to the prayer than I do with the connection to Jesus, my answers dry up. If all you're praying for is the answer and not the connection, you're missing the point. The point is intimacy. The point is friendship. The point is relationship. And the answers are a byproduct of remaining in Him. That's why friendship, not servanthood, is the fountain of fruitfulness. A lot of people think if, if I just serve and I serve and I serve that I'm going to earn my way to fruitfulness and position and power in the kingdom of God. John and James' mother thought the same thing. Grant that my two sons would sit at your left and at your right hand. And, and Jesus is like, well, are they able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, you've got no idea what cup I'm about to drink. So don't get ahead of yourself. But then Jesus says, that's not for me to grant, but my Father who is in heaven, because promotion doesn't come from a man. Promotion comes from the Father. And so what Jesus is emphasizing in this passage is not servanthood, as important as that is, but friendship. He says in verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You know, we hear a lot about servanthood in the church and for good reason. The greatest among you will be the one who serves, Matthew 20. Important principle of the kingdom of God. But the great emphasis in the Gospels is not on servanthood, it's on friendship. And this is the reason why. Who would you practically, honestly, rather share the secrets of your heart with? An acquaintance, an employee, a servant? or a close friend. Why do we think that God is any different? Do you know what prophetic ministry, words of knowledge, prophecy, moving in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit is actually, the source of that is friendship. It's God 
sort of allowing us to eavesdrop in on a divine conversation that he is having with planet earth. And in the context of friendship, God begins to share secrets with us about individuals, about cities, about nations, about people groups, and it's only in the atmosphere and context of friendship that the secrets of heaven become the letters written across our hearts that we deliver to the world. Servants will always lack revelation. That's why Jesus said, servants don't know what their master's doing. They're just following orders. Following orders is a good thing. But Jesus said, I'd rather you be friends because friends live out of revelation. I call you friends, Jesus said, for all that I've heard from my father, I have revealed to you. And what Jesus really reveals to us and to the disciples in this passage is that God does everything in our lives for the purpose of fruitfulness. He does not allow things to happen and just sort of, oh, well, that happened. He does not allow circumstances to come our way without his redemptive and restorative purposes being established in our lives. He concludes this whole discussion on fruitfulness by saying, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How do you know if you're a disciple of Jesus? Well, not only do you remain in him, love him, keep his commandments, you produce fruit for him. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should bear much fruit and your fruit should remain. You know, many of us, maybe even today in this room, get discouraged by the lack of fruit. And we sort of draw conclusions about our life based upon what we can't see. I've noticed in my life when I can't see fruitfulness around me, it's because God is cultivating a fruitfulness inside of me. And if you would allow God to do his work in you, then what he intends to come through you will happen far more easier and quicker. Never forget that fruit is made in the valleys of life, not the mountaintops. And a valley is always about what's happening in you versus what's happening through you. Uh, Two and a half years ago, or now now three and a half years ago, uh, my 59-year-old mother prematurely passed away. And she'd wrestled with a lung disease for 20 years. She was a fiery Holy Ghost preacher of the Word of God and traveled the world preaching along with my dad and, and um, a mighty woman of God. And within six weeks uh, of uh, falling sick, uh, particularly, she has been in and out of hospital for 20 years. But within six weeks, preaching at a conference in Darwin, Australia, and six weeks later, she was dead. And I remember watching her breathe her final breaths in that intensive care unit. And you know, when a loved one passes away, it's, it's a sobering moment. Obviously, there's the pain and grief of that moment, and you sort of work through that, and it's important to work through that, but it's also sobering. You begin to ask the deeper questions of your own life. You begin to sort of search for answers, and even though I was in pain, and even though it felt like I was in a valley, little did I realize that what God was going to do is take my mother's death and do something in me that would explode fruitfulness in my life. And literally, I can trace back 
to the time as I began to get healed and as I began to see God's perspective on this situation with my mother and my family and all the chaos that was in that moment. It's like I can look back and see the fruitfulness of my life literally exploded as I respond to the pruning and valley seasons of life from a posture of faith. Yes, honesty, yes, grief, yes, dealing with the pain, but a response of faith that says, God, in the midst of what I'm going through, you are still great, you are still mighty, I will still worship you, I will still answer the call that is upon my life. Because one of the things that happened in that season was the enemy came to me and said, oh, now that your mother is gone, you can actually step back from your ministry because my mother had such an instrumental part in raising me to understand the call of God upon my life. My mother's salvation journey was intertwined with my own ministry calling and journey, and it was God's call, but God uses people to call out and identify the graces and gifts in people's lives. And the enemy came to me and said, now that that point of accountability is gone, you can actually step back from the call of God. And I made a decision, I wasn't going to step back, I was going to step forward into all that God had called me to do. And I'm telling you, it's like life just took off. When you respond in faith to the valleys and the pruning seasons, I'm telling you, God is getting you ready to produce great fruit. Whatever season you're in, a valley or a mountaintop, Jesus says this, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. I want to invite you just to stand with me in this moment together. And I don't know what your custom is, but if the team could just come and we just want to just take a moment. Just to pray together. I want to invite you to close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I can identify with the pruning season. God's cutting me back. God's cutting some things off of me. And and in some ways, God's always doing a measure of this. But for some people who you just feel like you haven't seen harvest for a while, you haven't seen productivity for a while, and you just feel like I'm in that valley season right now. I want to pray for you right where you're at. If you're here in that season, just raise your hand. It's just an acknowledgement. God, yep, I'm here. That's me today. Father, I just pray for people in this room right now who are going through a valley, going through a pruning season, that God, this word would come as such a source of encouragement, that God, prophetically, you would remind them today and remind all of us today, oh God, that your cutbacks are never setbacks. That Father, you are doing something, although we don't fully understand or can't always see, that God, your intention for us is harvest. Your intention for us is fruitfulness. And God, I pray, would you give us grace to respond in faith to the season that we find ourselves in. And I pray, Father, that you would move in every heart that's in that pruning valley season, that God, you would help us to learn the things we need to learn, prioritise the things we need to prioritise, put the things in place that we need to put in place so that, Lord, we would be ready for a great, season of harvest and productivity in our lives in Jesus name
Sam, would you just come forward? Is that right? I just want to pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for Sam. I thank you for the call that's on his life. I thank you for the anointing that is growing in his heart and on him. I thank you, Father, for the inheritance that you have prepared for him. And I saw the Lord coming. I saw a mantle coming on you that as you've been, interestingly, you talked about in your giving message about being in the Father's house and the offering and the inheritance that comes and the blessing that comes from being in the Father's house. That is both a supernatural reality and a natural reality. And the Lord says that because you've been faithful in my Father's house, And in your father's house, the Lord says there's a great inheritance that's upon your life. There is a great mantle that is coming on your life that at the right time and the right way and the right purpose, the purpose of the Lord is going to stand and prevail in your life. And Father, right now, I thank you that you are setting this man apart and his wife apart for a great work in your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in them. I thank you also, Lord, for what you're going to do through them in the coming years. Lord, I pray your blessing, your grace, and your anointing upon them today. In Jesus' name. Before I just hand back to Pastor Tuck, I just want to, for us to just close our eyes one more time. I want to just extend an invitation to anybody here today. You've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour. Maybe you've you feel really distant, far away from the reality of the presence of Jesus today in your life. Maybe you're here for the first time or maybe you've been coming here several times but you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, to come and live in your heart. Well, today, I wanna invite you to make that decision. The Bible says all of us have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a saviour. His name is Jesus. We all need a helper. His name is the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you, to wash you clean, to come and live in your heart, you can do that. Or maybe you once did, but right now you are far away from God and you say, today I want to rededicate my life. If you're here today and say, that's me, I just want you to raise your hand right now in this room, wherever you are right now. And we want to pray for you and we want to believe for salvation. Thank you so much. Over here on my right. Is there anybody else today say, yep, that's me. Thank you, up the back on my left. See your hand. Anybody else today say, yep, that's me today. I want to make that decision. I want to pray that prayer. Just lift your hand right now in this room. I see over on my left here. Thank you. Is anybody else today say, yep, that's me. We're going to pray together right now. Can we pray together? Would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your love. I believe you're the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Come live in my heart. I receive by faith the gift of eternal life. I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God a big hand of praise.